Well, it's so good to be together. As Pastor Joel said, always, always look forward to it. We welcome so many online that are faithfully joining with us in ways uh, that we can't even imagine. Thankful for those that can't get out, especially from week to week. It just means the world to them. And you know who you are. So the hospital, at home, whatever it may be, we are so glad. And we want you to know that you're a part of us. Thank you for that. Well, today is number three, and then next week will be number four of All Things New. Uh, I couldn't think of a more appropriate exclamation point than having Chad Varga last week speak about all things new in his life. You talk about a living, breathing example. Did anybody enjoy that last week? Was that incredible or what? And as I told you, he ministered to our young adults on the weekend retreat and then uh, twice on Sunday morning, and then he came back for a lot of our teens on Sunday night, and just, he was wiped out, but he just gave everything he had. I was so touched about the practical nature, and I believe, I know for a fact that lives are being changed because of his ministry here. So we love to teach it all. There's nothing like a living example of all things new. And that's not just for a Chad Varga, but that's for many of you. Uh, you meet Jesus and you get to know him and you just get newer and newer and newer and newer in him and better and better and better. And we're thankful for that. So I would echo again, I, I was greeted with a wonderful email of a 21 Jumpstart reflection uh, that was sent, but I received this morning. And what an encouragement that was. So let us know, give us feedback. But I'm really interested in, uh, I guess here's the way I would like to say it. When I see that kind of participation and all, I'm very, very pleased but I'm never satisfied. Is that okay? I'm pleased with a lot of things, but I'm never satisfied because I believe there's always more. Do you agree with me? There's more. There's more of his grace and more of his goodness. There's more growth. Uh, we're gonna keep growing until we draw our first breath in heaven, and I'm excited about that. So my admonition today as we come into the newness of a new relationship, we've talked about different things, but a new relationship and what that means uh, my, my biggest exhortation to you today is that don't stop. Keep it going. Keep it going. Keep washing your heart with the power of his word. Keep getting it in and in and in. And then as he gives you insights, talk about it. Ask questions. Share it with your family, friends, whatever the case may be. So keep it going. So let's focus on kind of the, what it means. Uh, we talked about a, a new life and, and, and all of those things. But that, it's not, I didn't say new relationships, although that's a part of it, but I'm, I said specifically new relationship. And so we've been working with this passage in 2 Corinthians 5, and I'll read just verse 16 right now. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, and I think that's where a lot of us have been. We, we look at him in human terms, okay, we know he's God, we know he's divine, but we try to process it with, with, with our mind. We're, we're looking at him and evaluating him from a distance. But l listen to what it says. Then it says, how differently we know him now. I, I just want to set it up. A relationship with Jesus isn't automatic just because you met him once. The question is, do you know him? Right? You think about that. You have all kinds of acquaintances, people you've met, but you don't really know them. Because that only comes from what? Relationship that stretches out before us. So knowing about Jesus is really good. Uh, that's wonderful. And we assume that everybody does, but many, many, the fact of it in America nowadays, for sure, many people even in America don't know about Jesus, but it's a good thing. And it's important, but I'll tell you again, it's not enough. 
We must come to know him by having a heart relationship with him. So it's not just about believing with our head, but the Bible says, remember, that we, we believe passionately. We believe that in our hearts. I like what I heard Rick Warren say or read many years ago now, but he said something like this. Many people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches, and that's the difference between their head and their heart. Having a head knowledge of Jesus isn't going to get you to heaven. You hear me? It has to run through the heart. It has to run through the heart. So let's look at verse 17 of 2 Corinthians. This means, the above, how, how differently now that we know him, this means because of getting to know him, because of the growing relationship, not just because we met him, that's where it begins. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. If you're in Jesus, you're new. You're not who you used to be. You have a new identity. The old life is gone, and I love this phrase, a new life has begun. You're not done. We never get over being human, but that means we always have the capability to grow, to get better as we grow in our relationship with him. So if we are to long, belong to Christ, and I, and I circled that word, belong, 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 then we must know him personally in relationship. And I'll tell you, if I think in my mind, the best couples that I, just, just thinking, picturing people in my mind that have a great relationship, I wanna tell you, you know what's at the t top of that list? Communication. It's a love for God and a communication with him and a communication with each other. Those are the best relationships that I know about. Conversely, and I've seen it in stressful times, when, when communication breaks down during stressful time, what happens? Distance, right? Separation. It's so true. So this is sometimes tough to understand, especially in our culture, because I believe that our culture is largely relationally challenged. Would you agree with that? And you take, kind of quiet today, I said, would you agree with that? Okay, okay, I just wanted to make sure you're awake there. Relationally challenged. And as I've talked to people, talked to a doctor this week when I went in for an annual, talking about all the emotional things that people are dealing with as a result of maybe these last three years where there's been an unusual amount of isolation and separation. But it is only in belonging that we can become, right? Only in belonging in that context that we can become new. God does the work on the inside, but it works out. Knowing him personally. When we belong to God's family by saying yes to Jesus, by believing and receiving that relationship with him, the Bible's saying very clearly, no matter who you are, where you're from, no matter what your past has been, the old is out and the new is in. We don't just start trying harder by the strength, by our own strength, the weakness of our own strength, as I like to say, to become better people. How many of you have been there and done that? That's pointless, isn't it? We need a power greater than our own because we get in the same ditch and we try to run that slippery slope, but we just keep sliding back. But we're made new. We become better people because of God's power and we experience that new life and relationship. And I wanna say again, the word is, it's very becoming. That means it's becoming. If, if, if you say that's becoming to you, what does that mean? It's attractive, it's a good thing, it's a, it's a growing thing, uh, it reflects something that's good and wholesome. And I would say this quickly, and I harp on this so often because I know people and I know me and I know you. We're not changed by the way we feel about this or that. Is anybody glad about that? I mean, if we followed our feelings with our spiritual journey, it'd be like a roller coaster at Cedar Point, wouldn't it? We have them, 
but we're not changed by the way we feel. Our feelings do change, but they come and go. No, we're made new and changed by faith in God through the power of the Holy Spirit who is living in us. One of my devotions yesterday or today was about the scripture that says over and over, is there anything too hard for me? Nothing is impossible, nothing is too hard for God. So maybe today, we have people in all kinds of different contexts. There are people that have never said yes to a relationship. You know about Jesus and you kind of care, but you've never come to a relationship. There's people that have been in a relationship a long time, but whatever it is in the context of our lives, you may be at a point where the years are piling up and your great expectations have not come to pass the way you always dreamed. And then you realize, like me, I'm 67, whoa. Am I all that I thought or dreamed I could be? I say, well, no, resounding no, but God's not done yet. Do you believe that? Don't say amen too loud, because I think you're talking about me, but you need to get better, Pastor. Great expectations that are kind of deflated. They kind of deflate like that big, uh, those, those blow-up uh, things that I don't like on the lawns at Christmas time. You know, the weather changes, and they just, the air goes out of them. Sometimes we're like that. You may not feel good about yourself at your point in your journey. You, you, you just may be very disappointed. Well, this is for you today. Because I'm here to tell you on the authority of God's word that your feelings of mind are not the driver of your spiritual life. They're never to be in the driver's seat of your spiritual life. We don't have to be driven by what we feel. We must live by the truth of God's unchanging word, the Bible, and we measure our feelings against the unchanging standard of God's word, God's truth. Are you glad about that? It doesn't change like shifting shadows, the Bible says. When we walk and we live in truth, then we are truly empowered, and I would say we're spirit-driven. So I wanna look at three things today about the, the reality of this new relationship and what it does. And, and it means these, these things and far more, but, it, but I'm gonna deal with it. It deals with your past, it deals with your pain, and it deals with your problems. How good is that? That's what a relationship with Jesus does. So let's look at what God says. The Bible says, as I've read, we've been made new, we're forgiven of all our confessed and repented of sins, and these sins are gone forever. Chad touched on that. We touched on that recently. Let's look at Ephesians 1, 7, and 8. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished upon us, or that I like to say that he lavishes present tense upon us with wisdom and understanding. Is there anybody here who is being a, a recipient of his lavish love and grace and mercy right now? Absolutely, not what we deserve, but his unmerited favor. So this is speaking, this passage, I believe, of our standing in Christ when we believe and receive him. Yes, we are made new. We, we're heading in a new direction with a new trajectory Everything is different, and I'll say it again, no matter how you feel. I talk to people all the time that have a conversion experience saying yes to Jesus. Some have huge feelings, and others don't quite. How many of you know feelings don't validate your, your coming to relationship with Jesus, right? It's, it's never the same, but that doesn't mean it's not real. So let's just look at this, and, and, and what does he do with our past? Well, the forgiven past is in the, is in the history books. It's gone in the sea of God's forgetfulness. I was thinking about this, and I can't think of a better way to illustrate it than to just retell a bit of the prodigal story, the prodigal son story, and you've heard it, though some call it the prodigal God in the true context of what it really means. But this parable about a son who demanded his inheritance before his father died, he got it, he took it, and he left, and he squandered all, it, all of it on hog-wild living, I like to say. 
living whatever feels good, whatever's gonna do. And, and as we know, where did he end up? He ended up with the hogs, didn't he? He pursued that self-gratifying life that is so popular now. He discovered that when the money runs out and the friends leave, there's always regrets the next morning. Some of you may have a regret this morning about what happened over the weekend because the morning light always seems to shed new light on a given situation. Your feelings, what they invoked you to do or tempted you to do and you gave in. But he woke up one morning in that pig pen. He was, his face was in the slop. I'm telling you, if you've ever been around pig pens, you know that it's nasty. I mean, God bless pigs for sure, but they make a mess, don't they? In that environment, he came to his senses, the Bible said, and he said, my father's servants are better off than I am. Oh, I love this, because this is the essence of 21 Jumpstart. This is where some of us are today. I will get up and go to my father and become one of his servants. That's where we get the term, get up and go. I will get up and I will go to my father. But the father saw his son when he was a long way off, and that was because he left the porch light on because he was anticipating his, his return. And some of you that are a long way from home, I want you to know that God's left the porch light on for you. He knows who you are, he knows where you are, and he's anticipating your return. It could be today, it could be this weekend. When, we when, when this father recognized his long lost son, he didn't stay there and say, what have you done? He ran to meet him. He embraced him and kissed him. He put a ring on his finger. He ordered the fattened calf to be prepared for a great feast and he draped him with a robe representing royalty. The father took action when his son still reeked of sin. Did you hear that? He didn't say, son, go take a bath. Let me hose you down. He just said, come on in. He unconditionally loved him and received him. That's exactly a picture of what God does when we come to him in brokenness and repentance. No matter who we are, no matter where we've been, no matter how much we knew better before we did what we did, that same welcome is, welcome is for you. I quoted the words, and you need to look them up. Just type in uh, that Matthew West, the song Brand New, and look up those lyrics again. Weren't those powerful lyrics about the past being erased behind us? Dave Boyer, uh, a, a jazz singer converted to nightclub singer, used to sing Calvary covers it all, my past with its sin and shame. That's exactly what God's grace is about. We're new in Christ by his finished work on the cross. His love and grace not only cover us, but then how many of you know that he does the cleanup job? Have you ever seen where people in the church well-intentioned try to clean somebody up? How does that work out? Never works out. But he does for us, by his power in us, what we could never do for ourselves, what we could never earn, never deserve, because it's a gift. That's the truth of God's word. When you're in Christ, you're forgiven, you're made clean, you're made new, you're a God's child royalty, and what do we always say, what's our identity now? I am a child of God. Have you heard that before? Pastor, I'm tired of it. Well, get used to it, because I'll never stop saying it again. I am a child of God, and that, that gives me clarity on everything in my life. And you know where you've struggled this week. It's where you stepped outside and you looked over around that lens, because if you look through that lens, it will give clarity, and you won't be blaming and expecting somebody else to do something. You'll say, God, what does that mean for me? Oh, aren't we good about blaming everybody else? but we need to step up to the old spiritual. It's me standing in the need of prayer. Touch my heart, oh God, show me what you want me to see. That truth, Romans 8, 1. So now, I like that word now, present tense. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So 
If you're struggling with condemnation today, where in the world is it coming from? It's not coming from God. It's not coming from the Holy Spirit. Agreed? He does not condemn you. There'll be a time when we finally stand before him after we've lived this light and we'll go one wife and go one on one. But I want to tell you in this present, he is always redemptive in his activity, reaching out to where you are. There is no condemnation. So I would say emphatically, if he doesn't condemn you, then quit condemning yourself. And by the way, quit condemning others because he loves them just like he loves you. That's a good word. I should sit down right now, but I'm not done. All sin must be dealt with. Why? Because it gets in the way and it separates us from God. We, we deal with it through confession and repentance and forgiveness. The choices we've made with our free will. But I want to tell you, no matter who you are, I'll say it again, you never get over being human. You, we don't believe in a doctrine that makes anybody perfect. That's not the point at all. We never get to a place in our spiritual lives where we get beyond saying, search my heart, oh God, and show me what you see. How of you know that confession and repentance still needs to be a part of our life? And then that has ramifications because, oh, then he's going to make me apologize to my wife and I was so justified for my attitude. I know none of you struggle with that. You know, I go in trying to have my devos, and the Holy Spirit starts, <clears throat> could we talk about something here? Uh, oh, this is a good passage. I want to read on. I love it how this truth applies to somebody else. And he keeps dealing with my heart until I have to stop and go out. Believe me, it doesn't happen every day, but many times it has, and I have to go back and say, I'm sorry, my attitude stunk, and I know better, but I did it anyway. Will you forgive me? And you know what? To date, so far, we're still married, and she always does. <laughs> And then I can go back and I get something out of my devos after that. Does God ever pick on, does Holy Spirit ever pick on any of you? No, just me? Is it just me? Oh, I'm a piece of work, I can tell you that. Let's read 317 of John to just to, to emphasize that point. For God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world. We are the world. I should have written a song. Agreed? Hey, that's us. That's me. He didn't come to condemn the world, us or me or you, but to save the world through Jesus. That's good news for you today. No matter where you may be, he came to save you. He came to seek and save the lost, broken people, religious people, pagan people, whatever the case may be. I want to hang on to that verse, don't you? I like that just as much as I like John 3.16, how about you? We're forgiven of all of our past forgiven sin. It's gone forever, and God never practices unforgiveness regarding our forgiven sin. We may struggle with it, but he doesn't. We read scripture after scripture about that a couple of weeks ago, and God does not give us what we deserve, mercy, and he wants to give you what you don't deserve, and that's grace. Has anybody been a grace recipient today, huh? Come on. I mean, right now. I mean, okay, you received grace about 20 years ago. I needed it this week. Can anybody join me? I'm feeling lonely up here today. Does anybody need God's grace and mercy this week besides me? Oh, he lavishes it, lavishes it upon us. So I'll say it again. If the word says God doesn't condemn you, then stop condemning yourself and others. Just thank God for his, his grace and embrace it, if you will, and start living for his pleasure because that's what worship's all about. What is it? Palms up. I'm doing it. Are you? 
I'm yours, Lord, today. I receive only what I can... I, I can only give what I've received from you. Here I am. Today's the day you've made. I'm gonna rejoice and be glad and I can't wait to see what you're gonna use me to do, how you're gonna use me to touch somebody. And when you do, I'll point to you in praise and go, it's not me. I'm not that great, but he is great. Yeah. Wow, you get to the end of the day. You'll wow, he didn't just use me once, but multiple times this day. It's not that he's not speaking, not nudging. It's like we need to be more sensitive. Hey, when you come to him and have a new identity in Christ, you are a new person the sin is gone, the past is gone. I know there are consequences. Read about a guy today in my devotion, some of you in the one year Bible that I think it may be one day ahead, but he came to Christ, a horrible, vicious, violent prisoner. Alpha came to the prison and he said yes to Jesus, came running out telling everybody in his prayer, I even wrote it down today, God, Jesus, I know you died on the cross for me. I don't like who I, who I, who I am and who I, what I've become, what I've done. I just need you to save me and change me. And, and, and the rest is history. God's using him remarkably. He does the same thing for us. But we move beyond that then because God wants to do something in relationship in real time. I love it that he deals with our past, but the problem, one of the biggest problems I see as a pastor, there's too many of us that are so stuck in the past and that's where we want to live. You hear me? God was there, but he rescued you and he pulled you out of your past because he has a present and a future for you. Any agreement there today? That's what he has. So living in the past doesn't do any good. It doesn't, it doesn't help you. It doesn't make you more righteous or holy. He wants, to, he wants you to live with your head and your eyes up with that new identity. And then he invades our life with his power. And the second thing would be that he not only deals with our past, but he goes right to the point of our pain. And you know, we're dealing with people that have all kinds of pain. I mean, it, it could be physical, and that does things that greatly, that, that are emotional and all those kind of things. I'm gonna tell you, the pain is very real. Let's see what Isaiah 61 one says, because I believe he wants to bring healing to our pain. So what does it say? The spirit of the sovereign Lord. Wow, I can just, we can worship to that verse. A sovereign Lord, what does that mean? He is in control, I'm not. He knows who I am, where I am. He knows what's going on in my life. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. I mean, it says, it says, we can personalize that too. Can you say that this morning in relationship to him? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring the good news in the context of my life to the poor, to those who are broken. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be, I love that, will be released and prisoners will be freed. It's happening as we speak. It has happened, it is happening, it will happen in the future. And the fact of it is, I believe that God can heal all of our hurts no matter what they are, we've been wounded and we have the scars to prove it. Um, I have some scars on my body that prove I've had surgery or injuries or whatever, but they don't hurt for the most part today because they've healed. Agreed? And that's exactly what he wants to do in your life. He opens the prison doors and says, you're free to go. The chains have fallen off. Will you access freedom? Will you walk out that door? And he said, I'll make your life just as if that all never happened. But all that happened, I'll still use for my glory. Can you imagine? That? Isn't that unbelievable? Our past, it's sin, our shame. God will redeem that and use that as a testimony. Just like if Chad would have come last week and said, hey, I've got it all together. Man, I played ball. I made all this money. And he would have never shared a story about his brokenness. It would have had little of effect on us. We just think, oh, compare. I can never be like that. I never had the gifting. I never had the size, the speed, the jumping ability. But he didn't do that. He shared vulnerability, his brokenness, because that's where God touches us, and that gives us credibility with those around us, doesn't it? It's not how much you have your life together. It's what you've been through. 
And the fact that you're still standing after all these years, after all these years, does anybody believe in the healing power of Jesus? I do with all my heart. Came across a story, I'll just highlight it. Some of these I may have shared in distant past, but a girl named Susie sexually abused and just at, at age four and from four to 30, ages four to 30, I mean, she was violated by people she trusted, people she knew, people she didn't know, and she was left in a mess, you can imagine, betrayed and broken and abandoned, and that defined her. That defined her view of herself. At 12, she started to medicate to try to deal with the pain and the emptiness within, and the drugs increased as they do, and at 15, she ended up in a rehab unit. And as she suffered and struggled for all those years, at 33, she finally entered the doors of a life-giving church with, filled with life-giving, God-loving people, and she heard the healing message of Jesus who came to seek and save lost people, and she knew she was lost, and she responded to the good news, and on that very day, gave her life to Jesus, and everything became new. I mean, the past was the past, and it happened, but everything became new. Her life began to change instantly. God began to reveal truth to her that all the things she thought were true of her were nothing but lies from the enemy. It was pure deception. He said, I've got a new identity for you, Susie. She began to realize her identity was not defined by the things that had happened to her. Her identity was and is defined by the price that was paid for her on the cross by Jesus. She is valuable and precious to God, and that changed the direction of her life. And it changes our direction as well. God uses those painful experiences, like I mentioned, to raise up life stories that give him all the glory. We don't glory in our sordid past, but we give testimony to his faithfulness. That's the sole purpose for your life. That's the good news that you can share in the context of your life, what you've lived, where you've been, what you've done. And it'll dominate our lives in such a way that we live, as I often say, to point to and to praise God from whom all blessings flow. What's one of my life verses have I told you lately? John 12, 28, B, what is it, Father? Bring glory to your name. Yeah. Wow. How many of you think that would be a successful day any day where that happened? Father, bring glory to your name. Oh, I can pray that. I can pray that on a rare day of sun or something in this, you know, in this climate since the time chain. I can do that. But can I pray that in the middle of a storm? Father, I don't know what to do. Bring glory to your name. That's a life verse. I'm telling you, that's a keeper. Because there's hope, he's telling us, in the middle of our hurt, in the middle of our pain, God does not desire it or cause it, but he does use it for his glory. And that's all God. That's not human. We can't do it, but he can, and he does. And where we should have one nostril above the water line, he lifts us up, and we don't just barely survive by his grace and mercy. We thrive as we move over, move into a hope-filled future. I want to tell you, no matter where you are, and it, it talks easier when we're beyond it or before it, but in the middle of a painful life experience, God is creating a powerful testimony. Will you let him? I'm not saying you're going to stand up in the midst of it, hey, everything's great, but will you allow him to use it? Will you just go palms up and say, God, this is hard. I, I don't ever want to go through this again, but I believe you're working in all things. You're making me new. And you're gonna use this story, this pain-filled experience to help make others new as well. Amen? Another favorite section of mine is 2 Corinthians 1. This, is in the, this, is a, this comes to our pain exactly where you are, where I am today. All praise to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Is that all season? Huh? Is that an all season prayer? 
Can you pray that on any given day? A moment? Yes. All praise to God. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. So Andre, my best friend I never met, said, for if I never had a problem, I'd never know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God can do. But I'm here to tell you through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Huh? When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. And people will stand in shock and awe at your testimony. How can you have a song when everything seems to be going wrong? And then you go, it's not me. It's all him. Yes? All him. All him. That doesn't mean we're not going to have pain in this life. That doesn't mean we're not going to go through trying, trying circumstances just because we love Jesus. Matter of fact, that's where he many times finds us. That's when we wake up and reach out and reach up to him. When we're in the middle of a situation that we can no longer figure out that we can't fix. Agreed? That's where, some, that's where God found some of you. I was thinking when I read the, I just recapped the prodigal story. I jotted down that God is able to do anything, but he doesn't always do everything. The son said, I'll get up and go to my father. And some of us need a large dose and infusion of get up and go today. Huh? And that's not the power of positive thinking. That's just some things that we need to do because we're about the relationship above all. And then finally, he helps us to, not only does he deal with our pain and our past, but but he just deals with our present-day problems. Now, you may be flying high today, or you may be at the lowest point you've been at a long, at a long time. Um, whatever it may be, you have problems. I've got good news for you. You've got problems. No matter how positive you are, right? You can, things can be going very well, but you still have problems or challenges. Problem may be a strong word, but, but we're not exempt from those things. And you know, sometimes, I think even as a church, as we've grown and God's blessing us, we have new sets of challenges and problems. I'm glad we don't have some of the problems we used to have, but we have new problems and challenges. And how many of you know, just thank God that the problems are new. Huh? We like, his mercies are new every morning. He could say also, your problems are new every morning, but my grace is sufficient. Look to me. Give testimony of my goodness and faithfulness. Many people in churches like ours, and I call it a life-giving church, and that's just where, where you hear the truth of God's word and, 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 and Jesus and his love, and doesn't mean that, that it's perfect, but, but it means that, that people are, are into God and his word. But we can nod our heads in agreement when we talk about things like this, and we make a, a, an intellectual agreement with our head, but we've gotta let it penetrate our heart. We've gotta believe in the valleys and the test time. That's what we've gotta say. I choose to stand on the truth of who God is. I believe that God is always good and that he's working even in the midst of my problems to get glory to sin. Do you believe that in your heart? I'm not, I get, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. You know, it's so true, but oh, that's good theology. I could do two, three series in a row on God's goodness because it's so divine. It's so huge. It's so life-changing. Listen to what it says in Ephesians 4.21. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, there's that word, the truth. How do I know truth? Get God's word in you. That's how you know the truth, and it'll set you free. 
throw off your old sinful nature, a former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception. And I'm talking to people today that you can't seem to break out of the pattern. You're in addictions and things are flourishing and you label it, fill it in, but you, you've been seeking ways to comfort and medicate yourself. You have so much shame, you, you don't deal with it and you, you hope tomorrow's better, but you're just stuck, stuck in this cul-de-sac. When you're controlled by any of these things, and we could talk specifically, but you're imprisoned by deceptions. And the Bible says these things can be thrown off and gotten rid of, never rationalized, never managed, or just talked out. We can't talk our way into God's grace and favor. We've got to let him do a work. You follow me? Oh, it helps to communicate, but we've got to do the interior work, and that's the work of surrender to him. I think it's appropriate here to repeat, and you know, if you've been at church, some of you are getting phrases and things that I've said over and over because uh, we think when we've over-communicated, people are just starting to get it. But, but we, we talk about these things all the time, about, about what God wants to do in, in, in and through your life to, to make everything new. He does an unbelievable work. But... I still feel like one of our biggest struggles, and I, I deal with real people all the time, neighbors, friends, whoever they may be, and I, I'll say it again, I, I just think too many times we pray too many take it prayers. Take this while we hang on with all of our might. It's almost like, God, I dare you to take it. I dare you to take it. I know you can't because you didn't. He doesn't want you to pray take it prayers. He wants us to pray I give it prayers. That palm, palms up. You follow me? That's a moment where some of you could experience freedom when you start saying, take it, take it, take it away, take it away, take it away, and saying, say, Lord, I give you this. Because when you say, I give you this, that thing, what you're really saying is, I give you me. What does he want worshipers to do? He wants us to say, I give you me. Agreed? No longer take it, take it, take it. You do it, you do it, you do it. He's done it. He's done it. He's provided the way. But Lord, I in response to your truth and your love and grace, I surrender. I give it to you. Hebrews 12.1, love this verse. Since we're surrounded by such a huge cloud of witnesses to the life of faith, and we are, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. Let's call it what it is. Let, let's seek forgiveness. Let's repent, and, and, and let's toss it aside and give ourselves to him. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. I mean to run through the tape. How about you? I want to run all the way through the tape. When I used to work with baseball kids, I said, you, don't, you run through first base, right? You don't stop and slow down. You run through the base. I mean to make it all the way through. How about you? Surrender to the Holy Spirit who is alive and well. Ephesians 4.22 says it. Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And I'll say it again because sometimes when we read those words, oh yeah, you're from that church, the Wesleyan de denomination branch, that think you're perfect. No, we don't. It's God's Spirit in us that makes us righteous and holy. And that means we just have a desire to live to please Him. We're not going to do it perfectly, but we're going to own it when we're done. We're not going to look to the left or right. We're not going to blame or say, God, I'm all yours. And that's where I'm going to live. Well, Colossians 3 don't lie to each other. And the team's coming to sing to close on an encouraging song. 
for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds, put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. It's in relationship with him that you get to know him. Some of you have gotten, you've gotten stuck. I met him. I've said yes to Jesus. That's not the end. That's the beginning. Huh? That's not the end. When, you're, when you see somebody you want to date, you don't, hi, my name's Nathan. Oh, yeah, we're in a dating relationship. I mean, you've got to invest the time. You've got to communicate. You've got to build the relationship. And so it is with Almighty God. Are you? That's what a lot of you have put, poured more time and attention into that relationship this month. And it's been so beneficial. Why in the world would you stop? <laughs> don't, don't stop doing the things that got you from where you were to where you are today. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep stretching toward the tape. The message today with our past, our pain, our problems is that we don't have to live in bondage to anything. No, because we put on the new and we're being renewed as we speak. Past forgiven, pain healed, problems broken. Claim your freedom today. Declare it. Walk in it. Live in it. Next week we'll talk about some practical ways that we can make declarations of the new relationship that we have in Christ. Make no mistake, I pray that you have heard me with your heart today. You don't have the power to make you or anybody else new. Nod your head if you're with me. The Holy Spirit who is in you makes everything new and you bring a new you to an environment and it'll change that environment because you're new. How many of you have seen that work before? I don't know where I read this, but I sure like it. Quit dreaming of a better past. Let Jesus change your present and your future. Amen? So how are you going to respond to this truth as you stand quietly with me today if you can? How are you going to, are, are you going to respond to it? Maybe some of you were so challenged by Chad's message and, and you, you were touched and you may have shed a tear, but, but you didn't open your heart to be a receiver of what God wants to do in you. Today would be a good time. It, it's not too late because it's a week later. Our, our, we love to use our stairs and altars as a place of prayer. I, just, I still have a heart. I think that's one of my desires in you. I want to see our altars in front of you just because God's so faithful. He's here today. He's, he's touching your heart. We just believe that you, it's a heart thing wherever you may be online. You can't get here to, the, to a physical church. But the best time to respond is now. And, and I just want this to be a place where we talk to God and, and say, when, when the Spirit, thank you, praise you, thank you, Lord, search my heart, whatever. I, I just want this to be an atmosphere of obedience. Yes? And spontaneity. You may have come in here this morning with God not even on your grid, but he is interrupting and intersecting your life with an opportunity to seek him. Will you do it? Will you do it? Maybe some of you want to come about and say, God, the changes I made during 21 Jumpstart by your grace and power, I'm going to continue. I'm going to continue spiritual disciplines, the things that I need moving forward. I'm going to take some action steps. I'm not just going to think about it. I'm going to, put it, I'm going to get up and go just like the prodigal son did because I know I'll receive your love and grace. Father, thank you so much for the attendance. Thank you for the privilege of being pastor to this wonderful group and gathering of people here and there and everywhere. I thank you so much. I thank you so much. 
what I desire for all of us more than anything is that we'll know you and love you and that we'll live our lives for your glory and that we'll surrender to you the past and our, and our pain and our problems and see you work in powerful ways and have testimonies that will radiate with reality and we'll draw others and make them hungry to know you and love you. And I pray for those that are here today and maybe their hearts are being stirred because they know about you but they've never come into a relationship. They've never moved beyond that yes to a deeper relationship. May this be the time where they put it in gear. They get up and go. I will get up and go to the Father and you're waiting with open arms. Thank you, Father. The promise that wherever we are, we never get too, too mature spiritually to repent, to confess and repent. We'll always find forgiveness and grace. No matter how far we are from you, no matter how far somebody's run today, they can always come to the cross and say, yes, I receive what you've done for me on the cross, Jesus, and I'm gonna walk in it. I'm gonna walk in it. And I thank you for the testimonies that are being birthed even now and for good days that are ahead by your strength and power. 